one of my employees reached out and said, hey, is there something we could possibly do here? And I said, yeah. Started reaching out, got hold of the superintendent, and next thing he knew, we were out there hand-digging in lines to school buses and building mobile hotspots for uh, the school district. Welcome to episode 411 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. This is Jess Alfiaco, Communications Manager here at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Today, Christopher is joined by Stephen Bandy, General Manager of Ozarks Go at Ozarks Electric Cooperative, one of the largest cooperatives in the United States. Stephen gives us a short history of how the co-op first got into the broadband business and how they've been growing and managing the increased demand for fiber optic networks since then. Stephen also talks about new challenges introduced by the pandemic and how Ozarks Go is working to serve their local community during this difficult time. They've found ways to work with community partners to build mobile hotspots for local school districts, enabling students to get their homework done while outside of the classroom. Here's Christopher talking with Stephen Bandy, General Manager of Ozarks Go. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota. Today I'm talking to Steve Bandy, the General Manager of Ozarks Go at Ozarks Electric Cooperative. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing well, and it's great to talk to you. Uh, we've been tracking your progress quietly from afar and uh, are enthusiastic about your, your fiber network, so I'm looking to learn more about that. I guess the, the first thing I'd just like to get a sense is for people who aren't familiar with you and, I guess, in more than 75,000 meters that you connect, what's your service territory like and what's the culture like around there? Well, we are in a really kind of a rapidly growing area, which is a nice problem to have, but growth presents its own problems. We have nine counties we serve. We have been even increased a little bit since last year. We're serving about 79,000 members now on the electric side. We serve Northwest Arkansas, Northeast Oklahoma, a very vibrant area with really big businesses in the area that help out like Walmart and Tyson's, J.B. Hunt, and of course the University of Arkansas is also here in Fayetteville, which was one of the larger employers in the area. So we are in a good spot and deploying broadband into the area and our members are very satisfied with what's coming out to them. I can believe that. I have no doubt that there are challenges of managing growth, but I'm I'm sure that there are other folks who will be listening to this who are thinking, you know, I'd, I'd rather have that problem than the other one. <laughs> very true. Yeah, very true. <laughs> so what's your background? How did you get involved with the Ozarks Electric Cooperative? I came on in 2016. It's really when the project was really getting ready to take off. And I had some experience within the utility sector of bringing up uh, kind of non-regulated entities within the utility, which the broadband is for us as a non-regulated piece. I came in as vice president of member relations and worked through that. I've had operational background and then transferred over into the general manager of Ozarks Go in 2019. So I've been here with the project since it started, but it's growing and growing every year. And what was the the first time the cooperative got involved with fiber optics? Was it in 2016 to connect residents or was there, you know, I know some electric cooperatives have done wireless projects in the past or, or dabbled in other ways. Yeah, I mean, we're completely a fiber to the home, but we really started on the electric side because this whole project of the fiber for a cooperative is really for our communications aspect, outage responses. There's a lot of things that we can do and offer our members down the road with this fiber. And we already had fiber within our plant and just looked at connecting the rest of it to look at the benefits that we could provide for our member with Ozarks Go. And I guess you're about halfway through, is that right, the deployment? 
Yes, a little bit over halfway and trying to speed up as much as we can. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure that there's a challenge with trying to speed up. I'm guessing that your members are increasingly desirous of getting connected, but now there's you probably have to go a little bit slower in the, some of the home connections to take care. Yes, the whole pandemic here has really kind of been an impact to us. We're really starting to see some of the impacts of some of the supply chain right now. I believe a lot of companies and co-ops are really in this. We're really seeing this to with some of the shutdowns and the things going on. So we have done everything we can in the precautions of keeping our installs going the best we can, asking questions, working with the members if they're allowing us to come into the home. It's the best of times and worst of times when you're trying to go through some of this. So it has been impacting to us as a, as a company, especially a startup company. One of the reactions we've seen from different ISPs around the country that are offering the highest quality connections in their region is it seems like there's been a spike in signups. And in, I'm curious if you've seen that in areas where you may have been serving for more than a year or two already. Have you seen uh, people suddenly valuing a high quality connection more now? Yes, we have seen a pretty good increase in our signups and trying to get out to them. And of course, with everything going on, that's a challenge in itself to get out there and serve them in a timely manner. But we have experienced increases, signups, and the demand of when are you going to get here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. And so your plan, you right now, you have a your six-year plan. I don't remember if it's six years and six phases, but your plan is to connect every one of your electric customers, right? Yes, and that, that's the challenge. I mean, it's a 7,000-mile plant. We basically, that took us over 80 years to build. We're trying to do that in five to six years or less. So when you think about rebuilding your entire plant, what took you 83 years to build, that's pretty significant accomplishment when we get there. And are you able to go almost entirely aerial then? Yeah, it's, it's primarily aerial. We do have underground. We really are looking forward to get out of the underground section of it this year, but it's primarily aerial. So one of my favorite stories, there's so many electric cooperatives that are doing really great things that we have a list that we'd like to talk to, but seeing the photo of your team connecting a school bus with a fiber cable, it's delightful. <laughs> so yes. tell us tell us why you brought a fiber to a mobile school bus. Well, I mean, obviously not mobile at the time, but nonetheless, a technology of the school bus is designed to be mobile. So um, how did you bring a fiber to it? It really was interesting. You know, we were trying to figure out ways to kind of reach out to the communities, reaching out to schools, doing things. And then on the news one night, it showed one of our local schools here, school districts, was going to try to hook up school buses out into the rural areas. And it was really kind of a challenge for us because we're just now building that area. So we didn't have a plant all in at this point or lit. One of my employees reached out and said, hey, is there something we could possibly do here? And I said, yeah. Started reaching out, got hold of the superintendent. And next thing you knew, we were out there hand digging in lines to school buses and building mobile hotspots for uh, the school district. Was this something that was new? I mean, do you have a relationship with the schools? Are you building fiber for them already? Or was this something that just was put together at the last second? It's kind of put together. I mean, as a cooperative out in the community, we have relation, you know, fairly good relationships with all of our school districts and what we can do to help, especially in the rural areas. There's a lot of rural areas that really need. The reason we're doing this is the underserved area. And the way we're looking at it is back in the way that the cooperatives brought electricity out early 30s, we're kind of doing the same thing. We're, we're going to bring something out that no one else will do. It's the best thing we think we can do for a cooperative for our members. 
Now, the um, Arkansas is considered one of the, the lesser connected states with about three quarters of the population having access. Most of the people that you're building to and also the people that are now dependent on your Wi-Fi areas, are they mostly then unable to get service in their homes? They can get service. It's relatively slow. Like you said, we are getting some some cap funding from the FCC that can help us get out into these areas. So that already tells you right there, you know, they're less than the 25-3 standards. So we go out there to start putting line in. I mean, you you drive through areas and people drive up and ask you time frames, when, how are you going to get there? We built out into one area for one of the other local school districts. You know, we had to run from our substation where we had fiber for communications and we were out there trying to get it hooked up and get it ready for them. And I can't tell you, at least 10 people stopped by seeing our trucks and just started asking questions about and so excited about the fiber coming out into the area. It's almost like you uh, you need an extra staff position just to manage the crowds you're you're attracting. <laughs> yes. It's kind of fun. We go somewhere and they see our trucks and you, you kind of like have to have a ring around everybody to try to so they can do their work. So that's true. So have you heard any reaction from the community in terms of where the hotspots are or people described any anything that surprised you in terms of reactions to them? I mean, the reactions have been very positive and very thankful for what's going out there because they pull up and get access to their school. There was a really good story of one of my network guys was out checking some of the connections when we first were hooking up and put one in kind of at a local church. And he drove by to kind of check, and there was a family out there, had a little kiddie pool and a table set up with their computers and a picnic lunch and just enjoying the uh, beautiful weather and also getting their schoolwork done. So, I mean, there's stories like that and just the people that reach out and have the ability to get connected to allow their kids to be able to do the schoolwork has been just really rewarding for us. And I'm also curious, in, in areas where you've been serving, have there have there been surprising use cases for how people are using their home service? You know, are you do you have you attracting any folks from California or you know like the coast to come in and settle in that area? I mean, according to the realtors, it's become one of the questions when somebody's buying a home in the area: is it within Ozarks Electric territory? Because they know of the fiber and the broadband deployment, and they're they're wanting to buy homes in the area just for the internet access, that they've heard the good news about it and the good word that's out there. So that's what we've heard back from the realtor section of what people ask. Uh, we've had interest when people see people post speeds when they get connected. They'll post their speeds on Facebook or Twitter or other channels. And we get hits where, hey, I want that. And people come to our website and sign up knowing they, you know, we're never going to get there. I think the furthest one we've ever had away from here is Australia. <laughs> it was the, it was the furthest request we had for service so far. So when the word gets out, and it's amazing what people want. There's a lot of concern of, oh, people in the real area, they don't want the gig service. We're at a 30%. They want that service. People want that high speed, the ability to be able to live where they kind of were born and grew up and where, they, where they're comfortable. So I think it's a great service for our membership. Well, actually, I guess I should start by saying that you have a very attractive offer. The intro, the basic tier is $50 a month for 100 megabits symmetrical, which you've doubled during this uh, pandemic period as one of the many things you're doing to benefit the community. But I'm curious, are you seeing a significant number of people that are taking that gigabit tier for, I believe it's $80 a month for a symmetrical gigabit? 
we have seen some increases really over this last few months because where we ended the year, where we're at now, it's been a pretty pretty good little push. I would say it's not jumping probably to where we want it to be, but people are signing up and grabbing that gig service a little bit more because it's just, I mean, it's, it's amazingly quick. <laughs> What's the the next big milestone? Are you you mentioned you're trying to speed things up? Is that going to change the the schedule much? Yeah, I mean we're of course we're trying to do everything we can to maintain the connections like we can, but we're kind of like I said earlier running into some issues there just with supply chain. But I mean our next goal is get to that twenty thousand mark. I mean just little milestones. We hit fifteen early in the year, pretty much hit. 16,000 within six weeks, and we just cleared, we're about to clear 17,000, probably about mid-month this month. So it's growing. There's a lot of demand for it. We're doing everything we can to manage around the pandemic, meet our members' expectations. Just our next milestone, let's just get to 20. And I'm, I'm curious if I was actually reading about the Arkansas broadband plan for the state. And it looks like, from my perspective, I, I'm very focused on encouraging local solutions. It looks like a pretty good program. And do you ever feel like you were wrong to go early before there was state money available that may have helped you to, to build out? No. Um, I don't think we'll ever look back at that decision. The funding, the state funding is, is really a good thing for a lot of areas to get some smaller communities hooked up. But at the level that it's at, it currently is not set up to really fly an entire project like we are doing. You know, we're looking at it. It's a great offering from our governor. And, you know, we'll look at that and be glad to work with communities. It's really where communities and ISPs join together. It's really a, a good program to look at and looking forward to see how that can help serve other communities. Yes. And one of the things that I'm, of course, worried about is just as the states are really going to take a pounding with their finances. And I'm hoping states like Arkansas are able to keep finding a way to put money in. And it sure would be nice if the federal government helped out more. Yeah. So let me ask you if there's any real unique results or opportunities you've had that you may not have foreseen that, that popped up on you. I think probably the most unique one is, is uh, the city of Stillwell in, in Oklahoma. The provider there had left with providing the area service, and you know, we had to come in and work with the city and had to go through a city election to be able to serve the area. And it was really a new thing for us because we're doing everything we can to serve our membership first. And this kind of, we felt the need to be able to do this because it was a community that was suffering and we were built all the way around it. So we wanted to provide service. So, you know, we try to get the communication out. We serve the area. It's been a very, very good thing for the area and us as well for making sure that our people in our area can stay where they, like I said earlier, grew up and live. We've had a businesses that been able to came in to use that gig service, one that formed that we did an article on kind of like an internet cafe, computer repair location where people could come in and have some coffee, get their computer repaired, download games on that gig service. I think another key aspect that's been an opportunity for us is the agricultural sector. It's a poultry area, but to have a farmer be able to control his farm on his cell phone now, be able to get that communications versus having to go in and try to do dial-up in some locations to be able to communicate with what's going on really helps their productivity and their increasing their yield on what they're trying to produce. So we've had some really good opportunities within the communities, free Wi-Fi's for the county fairs, local community events that we provided Wi-Fi for. I mean, people reach out because they know we're going to do everything we can because it's a, most of the areas where these things are happening, the members are the ones that are coming in to really enjoy the services, and we're glad to be able to provide some free service there. 
Yeah, I would say I think one of the things that people don't always appreciate when you're talking about the the ag producers is that it isn't I mean it is great that they can control the farm from their cell phone, but it's also really important that their kids have a high quality of life because we want to make sure that those kids have the opportunity to go back. They shouldn't feel like they have to sacrifice if they want to live that lifestyle as they grow up. Yes. It just reminds me of many of the conversations I've had in South Central Minnesota, where we've seen a a new cooperative born that is serving a lot of the towns in an ag producer area. And I just heard over and over again, you know, regarding your story about Stillwell, is that there's a real symbiosis. You just, you need the town to support the ag folks around it. And the ag folks need the town. You can't just let one of them rot. You really need, those things both need to be healthy together. So I'm glad you were able to, to do that. But I'm, I'm confused. So they had to have an election because they don't get electricity from you? Is that how it worked? Yeah, it's provided by the town. They provide the utilities there. But to come in, we had to elect it in to be able to be a new utility, use the poll and the access agreements and everything that we needed, which it was a really easy election. But we still follow the grounds of franchise fees and everything that we got to do for there. It was an election we had to go through. Well, I'm glad that worked out because I know sometimes uh, municipal utilities, the cooperative utilities and the IOUs uh, sometimes find it hard to work together. So I'm glad you all made that happen. Yeah, I will even say in some of the hot spots that we put up in Stillwell, I worked with the mayor over there. She had contacted us. We worked through some things, and basically she just straight up said, if there's anything you need from the utility, let us know. And you could see another utility in the area working with us as the provider of Internet on if we needed electricity on the poles or additional pole set or something like that to be able to provide a community Wi-Fi It was really nice. I mean, she basically just said, if you need anything for me, just give me a call and we'll have a truck there too. Well, that's a a great place to leave it. Thank you for taking time this morning. I know y'all are are busy, but I really appreciate getting a a handle on what's happening down there. Just one other thing is just, I I didn't really make a big deal of it, but you are one of the larger electric co-ops then, probably in the state, but also the country. Yes. We're classified as one of the, in the larger sector of the co-op with the 79,000 members. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a great weekend. All right, thank you. That was Christopher talking with Stephen Bandy of Ozarks Go. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this and the other podcasts from ILSR, Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support, in any amount, keeps us going. Thank you to Arna Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was episode 411 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening.